I had to come to a point where I was relying on what God was doing in my life. Before that tool of charisma that he gave me as a gift of a thing that I could do, before I could use that, I had to be at a point where I was fully reliant on him for my life. This is Big C, Little C, where we explore how the local church fits in with the global church and how the kingdom is at work on a local level. We believe that whatever God is going to accomplish in this world, He is going to do through the church, Big C. These are our stories and the testimony of the power of God in everyday lives. Now here's your host, Jeremy. up with the sensory deprivation floating okay so i actually i'm glad you brought it up we just i just drove by the one here in franklin that i like and it's a really cool kind of weird thing i actually talked to gene about it one time and he said he can't even do it he's just like "Ah, i'm not into it at all but uh tony tony costa is into it he's told me so it must be of the lord yeah yeah (laughs) i think it can be (laughs) for me it is so for me um, these sensory deprivation floats, basically you get in this big tank of salt water, right? It's like and a dark room. Yeah, yeah, it's a very dark room. You get in this, this tank of salt water, you close the lid, and it's like a blue light for a little bit. And then the blue light goes off, and it's completely dark, completely silent, and you're just in this water floating. But you don't you, you float because it's all salt water, you know, so you're really buoyant. And you just float on the top of this water, and it's completely silent. Now, I use that time to pray and meditate, and it gets weird. Like, I don't know if there's any other way to explain it. There's points where, like, you feel like you're not even in your body or whatever. But it's awesome, and it's really good for, like, I don't know. For me, it's really good for my back and, like, my achy joints as I'm getting older and things like that. But um, for stress, it's, like, the best thing I've found. It just completely wipes it out. Sometimes it feels like, you know... You're having like demons removed from you. Sometimes it can feel really like extreme, and but when you get done, you're like, "This feels great." You close the lid. Yeah, well, sometimes. Now, now this other one, the one I did yesterday, was not a lid one. It was an open air one, but it's still dark and quiet in there. Are you not claustrophobic at all? No, not really. No, I don't. I I have extreme claustrophobia. Oh, then I would not suggest you do the. Definitely not the closed tank one. Ugh. Now, the open air one, I think you could probably do. It's basically just like you're floating in a big hot tub in a room, but it's dark and it's quiet. The Uh, first time I did it, it was like the weirdest experience where it felt like at first it felt like I was floating on the water, like, like on my back, like I was. But at one point it felt like I, like the whole thing flipped over and like the water was holding me up from falling. And then it felt like I was just like floating in space. Not today, Satan. Yeah. (laughs) But, but it's, it's because the whole reason it becomes like this weird feeling is because you can't hear anything. You can't see anything. And the water is body temperature. So once your body adjusts, it's almost like you don't even you don't even feel the water. You're just like mm. there, floating, zero gravity. It's bizarre. So what's the spiritual lesson here? Is it that we we need to have that sense of loss of control of our faculties sometimes? Yeah, yeah. to remind, <laughs> remind us of our humanity. For me, it's for me, it's just the quiet, the like getting out of my head and just just sitting there in silence and being able to pray in a way that like I'm not distracted by anything going on because you can't. I mean, there's nothing to distract you. I'm not sold. How often do you do it? Um, well, 
it, it's it's very sporadic right now, just whenever I have time. But I'd like to get to the point where I'm doing it like once a month. Hmm. And how long is a session? It's about an hour. Do you lose track of time? I'm, I'm assuming oh, for sure. Yeah. Like, they come get you or what? <laughs> there, there's, a, uh, there's music that plays softly in these speakers that are under the water. And when that music starts, it's like, all right, you got you got like five minutes to oh, gather yourself. Wow. But it's really soft music, you know. Um, but it, it does the trick. It gets you're like, oh, I didn't realize it's already been an hour. <laughs> I remember when Gene first approached us about the big news of 2021. Yeah. And that night, you were very emotional immediately. And um, which <laughs> I, is not—I'm a very emotional it's not guy. Unwarlike, no, but, yeah. <laughs> but I remember as Gene spoke his opening remarks, and then hinted at the fact that maybe you are in line to step into something like that to be a pastor or to go work alongside your dad. You know, Craig had been called to the mission field. Mm-hmm. Gene felt like he was being called away, and Gene was speaking to you that I don't know if you're called to go work alongside your dad and then take over for him. You're called to take over current church or what, but I, I sense this on you and you, you begin to, yeah, I don't know. Weep is too strong of a word. And you were feeling <laughs> but, it. Yeah, there was, yeah, there was emotions yeah. because I had already started to feel that a little yeah. bit before current church as it was kind of starting to dip a little bit. Well, let's dial it back a little bit before that. Yeah. When we, things kind of started going like numbers were going down in current church. Um, I had kind of started stepping in and preaching when Gene wasn't there. And I was even doing like those little transitions between the worship and, and the preaching I where I give like a little short word or whatever. Always, you always had something. The, but the, I, that's the thing is I was always, I always had something and I felt like this is more than just for, you know, obviously there's a reason that God puts these things on my heart. I don't know what it is, but I'd already started feeling that. But before, when I was in high school, I thought basically all of middle school and high school, I thought I was going to go into ministry. But I never really felt like I didn't know how to like approach the schooling and what was going to be the right way. And I was getting married pretty much after high school. So I was like, I don't know. I don't know if you know this or if the listeners know this, but there's not a lot of money in <laughs> in the ministry. Uh, if, if it's done for the right reasons, I mean, it, it, there can be, but there's not typically. And I knew starting out there definitely would not be. Sometimes there's 16,000 in the walls. I've heard of a church. I don't know. Or is it 60? How much was it? 600,000? I think it was 600. Sometimes there's 600,000 in the walls of the church, so you might look around. (laughs) Yeah, that might be something I need to look into. But that was was something where I was like, I don't know. I I felt like there was maybe a calling, but I didn't know what it was, and I didn't know what the direct route was going to be. And so... I'm a creature of habit. I got into retail and did that for 14 years until I, like, by only by God, I was forced out of it because I never would have left it on my own. Uh, some weird semantics. I got fired over something bizarre. I remember you posting that you had been let out of Egypt. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what it felt like. It yeah. was like, I don't, I'm comfortable here. Just kind of like, yeah, yeah, retail kind of is a bummer and it's not fun, but. I'm comfortable here and I know this and I don't like, I don't know what's out there, but I know what it's like here. And that's exactly how, that's how it felt when I was just kind of like, when I was thrown out of it, I was like, okay, well I'm, I'm like the, you know, the Israelites wandering in the desert now. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm out of my comfort zone now. And it's gotta be for something. Yeah. And so I started um, working in restoration and it's been good and I'm still doing that. I'm just doing a different thing than I was. But that kind of allowed me to have more uh, nights and weekends available. 
which lent itself to I was helping my dad out a little bit when he was needing someone to fill in for him at his church that he pastors at. And that kind of comes back around to what Gene had said. And I thought maybe, I don't know, maybe this is what's going to happen. And so my dad and I talked about it a little bit and he said that he did, he felt like I was called to ministry too, but he didn't want to be the one to tell me that because he didn't want to influence me one way or the other. He wanted it to be all God, you know? So that was kind of confirmation there. And then the night that we had the last gathering for current, several people (laughs) confirmed that same thing for me where they said, I don't know what you're planning on doing, you know, but I really can see God's moving in your life and I I can see you being in ministry someday. And I still was just like, I don't know. And there were some people who were like, you know, without me even saying anything about even thinking about it, they were like, hey, when you start a church, call us up. We'd love to come help you out with it. And I'm just like, okay, well, it's just kind of a weird thing. I meant to tell you that that night. Yeah. (laughs) You have my number. Yeah. (laughs) But it was just like a lot of really um, encouraging things. Um, And I felt like the whole night was encouraging, right? Like the whole, everyone who spoke had such amazing things to say about current church and what it meant and what it'll mean going out into the world and what other, like what the future holds individually for all of us, but also like how, how the DNA of current can kind of be spread around. It wasn't long after that. Um, you know, I'm just minding my own business, doing my day job. And, um, Isaac Bales messaged me out of the blue. Isaac used to go to current church and, um, I've known him for a long, long time. And he said, Hey, I know you were preaching at Current a little bit there, and I know you fill in for your dad when he's not around. My mom's church is looking for a pastor, but they really need to fill these dates. It was like late fall at this point. They're like, we need to fill these dates going into the end of the year. And uh, I was like, yeah, give her my number. Have her give me a call. I'm. That sounds fun. I'd I'd love to help out where I can. And so uh, she called me, and she said... Hey, these are the dates we need filled. I was like, yeah, I'll take them. No big deal. That mm-hmm. sounds that sounds great. And then she said, but also, you know, we're looking for a pastor, and I don't. She was like, it's it's basically part time. You you know, someone who has a job would probably need to do it, so they could, yeah. you know, it's not sustainable as a full time thing yet. But that might be something you're interested in. And I was like, yeah, we'll see. And I was, I didn't think anything else of it. Then I go and I speak there the first time. Where is it? It's Zion's Hill Baptist Church in Martinsville, off of 69 on the way to Bloomington, basically, between Martinsville and Bloomington. I went out there and preached, and the first time, the first day, it just felt like, you know when you like feel like you're at a home, like you go to a church for the first time, and you're like, oh, this feels like the church I could be going to. Mm-hmm. That's how it felt. It was just this small group of people that all really seemed to have a, a heart for the community and heart for each other. and so many of them were doing multiple jobs at the church trying to make everything run and i was like this is really cool i'll have to think about this but then after the service one of the guys um pulled me aside who was on the pulpit committee and he said so what do you think are you interested in (laughs) first day (laughs) yeah first day are you interested in interviewing with our committee and i was like uh yeah yeah let's let's i'll do it and um at this point, I had already started my ministry college mm-hmm. stuff, but I just barely barely started. And so right now I'm like a third of the way done or something. It, it went really fast. <laughs> I've been really working hard at it. But he was like, so uh, where did you get your degree from? I was like, well, I don't actually have one. He's like, okay, well, you know, I don't know if that really matters, but some people might be concerned about it. 
So I come in and I fill in again another time. And uh, he calls me a couple days after that. And he's just like, hey, listen, uh, I don't think anybody here really cares. I mean, you're you're getting your degree. That's good enough. <laughs> Will you come interview with us? And oh. I said, and I had been praying about it a lot at this point. I said, yeah, I think I'll do that. That sounds good to me. And so I did. And I met with them. And it was a great meeting. And uh just felt like they really one of the things that really stuck out to me was he said we're not just looking for someone to come preach every week we really need a pastor mm. and i was like that <laughs> that's a, that's a lot of pressure <laughs> that puts a that's a it's a little more serious then because that means a pastor's wife yeah know, three pastors kids <laughs> right 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 there's a lot to it than just yeah. uh yeah. just just preaching every sunday and but it's been really good and everything has i feel like god has really kind of revived that church and brought a new awakening and it's not anything I'm doing I think it's just the freshness of a new pastor and um, with kids there wasn't a lot it was a kind of an older church for the most part a lot of people had left uh, after COVID hit and they had to shut down for a month or so and then a lot of people just didn't come back well then I don't know if it was just the intrigue of a new pastor or whatever, but a lot of people started coming back and now all these families are here, younger families that hadn't been there for a while. And it's been a real blessing to the people that have been there for the long haul, seeing that all come back. Sounds so bizarre. That's a lot. <laughs> it is. You know, as, as we parted ways last late June, you know, I knew it was on your heart. I knew schooling was in your future, but to open Facebook one day and see a family picture as you were, <laughs> it's a fast track, I guess. How did you know you could say yes? Like what was the clinching factor for you? Um, I think for me, it was definitely, I think, uh, the, the final thing where I was like, yeah, I think I got to do this was, um, was Tiffany's response to it because she, to me is not a, <laughs> I mean, she, she never, I don't know how to put this. It's not going to sound bad. Tiffany on the surface is not someone who seems like she would typically be a pastor's wife. Just She's just her own person. She's got her own sure. go- goals and things that she wants to accomplish. She's not a tag along. Yeah. That's that's the perfect way to put it. Not that any pastor's wife no, is. No, 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 no. But there is yeah. there is a misconception, I think, in the culture of it that that is what a pastor's wife should be. Yeah. We prayed about it and talked about it a lot. And she was the one who was like, I really think this is where our family should be. And that was what changed it for me was that it wasn't just, I wasn't, it wasn't like I was getting that fresh feeling of a call into ministry, but that I started to see Tiffany start to get that call into being a pastor's wife. And that's like a totally different thing that has to jive. It has to be there. Um, But it, it, that was the moment where I was like, okay, we're going to give this a shot and, it's been awesome so far. I, I know at some point you always say this, like the honeymoon's going to be over. And, <laughs> and, you know, Craig and I are actually, we work together mm-hmm. on our day job now. Mm-hmm. So Craig and I were having a conversation one day and I went to him and I was really struggling because I had had this like, well, you know how the enemy is when, when stuff's going good, that's when he mm-hmm. really comes at you. Well, I had this great board meeting with all my people and my deacons and stuff. And I was like, this is awesome. Things are so great. And the first thought I had on the way home, and this is such a horrible thing, but it's because I grew up in a pastor's family. And I had this thought of like, I love all these people so much. and I'm really enjoying this. I wonder who's going to be the first one to decide they don't like me anymore. Yeah. Who, I wonder when the change is going to come where it's not always positive. Yeah. And it was like such a weird, it felt wrong for me to be thinking that. It felt like an attack, you know, <laughs> I can't enjoy this moment because of this stupid thought that's on my mind. But when I talked to Craig about it, he said, uh, part of it could be the enemy, but also part of it's like discernment and just 
guarding your heart sure. against that. Like, because it's not always perfect. That's just the the way ministry is. But if you're prepared for that and you know that like ultimately God is going to be in it, whatever happens, then you can kind of prepare yourself a little bit more for that kind of stuff. Well, you're not delusional. Growing up, you've seen what it can be uh, being by Gene's side. So it's not like you're <laughs> you're you're in the clouds and right. you never know what's around the corner. But I, you know, I, it's not like you're just some punk kid who took a job and was like, well, just, why did everybody say this was so hard? Yeah. <laughs> I have so many questions. So this the buzz gets out in the street. There's a new preacher yeah, at the corner yeah. church. I can't help but think of a story you told first time you were here about, I think you were at your dad's church and there was somebody who was there that day with an appearance that was less than traditional. And this lady assumed that this guy was with you <laughs> be, just right. based on appearance. Yeah. So here you are, the new pastor, you said it was an older congregation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So here you are, gauged ears, tattoos, plays in a rock band. Yeah. So there, there was this moment where I was like, I don't like... Eventually, these people are going to Google me. They're going to see the band, <laughs> right? Like, they're going to see the band. They're going to see some weird stuff out there. So I kind of got ahead of it. And, of course, somebody already had. Mm-hmm. And they all just made a good joke about it. We had a good time. Like I remember in the, one of the, the meetings, uh, one of the guys was just like, hey, you know, I, I think what you're doing is really cool. It's weird. It's not my thing. But... I think it's really cool. He's like, as long as you don't show up here and preach with nothing but the fur vest on, I think we'll be all right, you know? Hey, and, that's next level. Right. We'll see what happens. But, uh, yeah, that, so so there's um, – but but then you got to remember, like, Isaac Bales grew up in this church, too. So Okay. Um, like, I like Isaac's brother goes there. He's great. Okay. He, you know, he's got tattoos. So there's people in the church that have tattoos and stuff. So I wasn't, I wasn't like, a shock to the system, really, when – I showed up, but, uh, yeah, not so much as I was, um, you know, like you said, at my dad's church that one time where <laughs> someone saw someone else with tattoos and was like, Oh, he must be with him. All tattoo people story. know each other. You know? <laughs> I, what about the preaching style? So a current, a lot of give and take wide open, kind of had its own niche style. Have you had to kind of customize your preaching? Um, I don't know that I've customized it. It's a little bit different. It's a little Such bit a different. Clinical word. Yeah, I know. <laughs> this is just the uh, inside baseball, as they say. You know, the yeah. stuff that's a little, a little bit different. People don't think about, but I guess a little bit. It's there's not as much of a back and forth. It's definitely more traditional. Like I'm behind a pulpit preaching, and people are listening and taking notes or whatever. But um, the the style, I don't think is super different i'm still pretty amped up and emotional when i preach i don't think i've preached a single sunday this whole time i've been doing it where i haven't got choked up a little bit wow um it's just it it happens to me unfortunately well i don't know maybe it's not unfortunate i think people like that but it just happens it's so it's not really different than what i was doing at current other than it's just it's not as like back and forth there's not as much feedback maybe in Mm -hmm. the moment but um, the congregation's really good about giving feedback after the fact. Oh, and like, hey, I really liked this. Or have you thought about this idea? Or have you thought about when, when you were going through this passage, did you ever think about this? And so there's a lot of that conversation that happens afterwards instead of kind of in the midst of. Is it relent like Sunday comes and goes and then all of a sudden it's time to prepare another sermon? Like, is that a relentless feel as life comes at you once a month is one thing Mm -hmm. every every sunday has to be something new it hasn't really hit me yet like there have been some saturdays where i'm kind of scrambling a little bit Mm -hmm. but it hasn't hit me yet where it feels like it's daunting or like it's work or anything but it's definitely there has to be like some organization because i need notes of some sort i need at least an outline of what i'm going to talk about it doesn't have to be super detailed but i need to have 
some kind of outline. I guess for me, right now, I think it feels like it, there, there's a lot going on, but it's because I'm also in school. So I'm like, okay, yeah. on, on Mondays, I know I have this assignment due for these classes, and on Thursdays, I know I have this due. And on Saturday, I need to make sure that my sermon's ready to go for Sunday. So there's certain steps of the week where I'm like, okay, by Wednesday, I need to be at this point in my outline or I'm, you know, or I'm going to be behind. So there's, there's some of it like that where it's different than once a month. But I think for me, it's just about staying on top of it. If I got way behind, it'd be probably pretty difficult. But I also know that God's word is going to do its thing as long as you're doing it for the right reasons. So as long as I have a passage, I could probably make it work where like, all right, I'm just going to preach this passage and whatever comes to me in the moment, God's going to have to do all the work on it because ultimately that's what it's about. But so far I've had solid notes every Sunday. (laughs) Now, sometimes I feel, you know, the spirit coming on and I deviate from those notes and it goes a totally different way than I expected. And that's not a shock to their system either. Uh, I think it's different than what they've had before, but they enjoy it. They, They all really seem to like that. The word that Gene used when he announced to our our body was graduate. It's time for us to graduate from current Mm -hmm. church. So after that was announced is when we recorded. I recorded with the Palmer family to talk about missions, and I did the John Allen episode, which is really good if you haven't heard it. But I remember just kind of mentioning and passing to her that I didn't plan to shut the podcast down because the podcast isn't about the church. The, The podcast is about the work of God in our lives. Yeah. And so I saw no reason to shut it down. I'm so and glad you didn't because I really enjoy it still. Clearly, I'm not doing it as much. But, you know, the goal now, and, and Jolin said something in passing. You can hear it if you go back and listen. She goes, just getting started, probably. Which is perfect because yeah. if we're graduating from the uh, 230 Commerce Drive physical gatherings, the fruit remains. So this yeah. podcast has always been about the fruit anyway. So this story... It's crazy. It's, <laughs> it's wild. It probably not surprising, though. You know, yeah. And I want to even back up again. We got other things to talk about, but I remember you guys came to Suit for Souls 2014, 15, maybe. Yeah, yeah. And I knew your right face there. because I had seen Brother or Brother at Rock United. I'm like, I know that guy from somewhere. And then you started showing up. I guess they're here now. Mm-hmm. And then slowly but surely, it kind of started with, we knew you were in the Word because Gene would mention things that you had sent him during the week. Yeah. And then it started to evolve into sometimes you said something. Yeah. It was like, okay, clearly this guy has a depth and has something to bring. And then it, I'm looking at these stair steps, which I don't remember the first time you ever preached, but it was like, oh, I guess that guy can preach now. <laughs> and, you know, I was getting to know you better this whole time. To the point where when Gene took a sabbatical, I don't believe you preached maybe more than once during that time. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I don't remember in what order, but then you were an elder. I actually became an elder. (laughs) No, that's right. My first elder meeting is such a funny story because it was, hey, we really want you to be an elder. And I was like, oh, that's cool. I've been praying about that, and I think that that's good. And they're like, all right, first note of business, (laughs) Gene's taking a sabbatical. Okay. Yeah, my for basically for other than surviving a pandemic, is my first order was let's close the church. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, so <I> <laughs> we can swap stories there. <laughs> but uh, you know, then you started doing those transitions to the point where you were relied on. So my point is, you were preparing your heart. God was preparing you. What kinds of like if you were to talk to somebody who's maybe feeling his nudge, who is where you may have been in 2013, 2014, what kinds of ways did God prepare you? And it feels like he led you along gently. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that question. That's really great. Um, I would say that 
if you feel like you're called to ministry, get involved at a church where you can be somehow involved in um, sharing the word with people. If it's leading a small group or doing just the transitions like I was doing there um, to get people prepared for the preaching, whatever, whatever it is, if you can find a way, even the, just teaching Sunday school, get involved somewhere where you can be studying the word more and share the word with people and see how it goes. Cause that's going to be the big thing. Yeah. Um, that's the main thing. There's part of it is knowing God's timing is not always our timing. And that's a good thing. That's not something that you should balk against or be upset about. I keep thinking of just how, when I was in high school, I thought I was going to be a pastor, but had I been a pastor that young, I don't know how it would have turned out. Mm -hmm. And I keep thinking of this line from uh, the Rise and Fall of Mars Hill podcast when they're talking about what happened there. And they one of the things that keeps coming up and they keep saying is something to the effect of his charisma outpaced his character. Mm. And I always think of how easy it would be for me to fall into that same trap because I have a natural knack for speaking to people that just, I don't know what it is, but I mean, in high school, I got like, you know, when in the yearbook awards, I got like best personality or something just because I was like the guy that always made people laugh and Mm -hmm. knew how to talk to people. And I always did good in like speech classes. I know the Assembly of God has a competition <laughs> preaching um yeah we, we did too we had a fine arts like competition um is called word of life and uh i did preaching every year for that and always did a great job like i have the knack for speaking to people and i've never felt weird about it i was in theater all through high school crowds don't bother me so the charisma was uh-huh. always there i think yeah. but you could rely on that but i could rely yeah. on that and i had to come to a point where I was relying on what God was doing in my life before I could, before that tool of charisma that he gave me as a gift of a thing that I could do, before I could use that, I had to be at a point where I was fully reliant on him for my life. And that's so good. That's the part that it just, I think that's the hardest part for people when they get into ministry is being prepared for like let life beat you up a little bit before you get to that because walk with a limp yeah yeah exactly that's exactly right walk with a limp and just have your heart prepared before you go into it you may be a skilled preacher but being a pastor is more than being a preacher and uh that's just something that has been (laughs) on my heart a lot this year as i've come into this new role and understanding why it's happening the way it's happening and when it's happening. And I mean, ultimately I still think that my calling eventually will be full-time ministry. And my hope would be that I'm here at this church for a long time. And I hope that eventually I can go full-time here. That would be my, my personal selfish dream. I just need to make sure that that lines up with what God wants. Sure. And that's, that's where I got to figure out when, you know, and that'll all happen on his timing, not mine. Just like coming into ministry in the first place happened on his timing and not mine. I think of some tough conversations we had a year ago where I talked to you and Tiffany and you guys said, we don't know how long current church will exist in a physical form, but we know we'll be the last ones out the door. (laughs) In hindsight, that was slightly prophetic. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and I think about that because what I found is when the doors closed, I love Jesus. I love current church. I didn't like church. Mm. And we can talk about that a little bit. And I've 
I had to wrestle with that. But I am glad that there's some things I had to bump up against before I even came on as an elder, before the it was official the current church was going away. Yeah. I had to deal with it on another level before that, or else I would have been a big mess a yeah. year ago. But I think about church is not a spectator sport. It's a place to serve. For sure. And you guys clearly had that established. You guys were a serving family and you set that up in your lives and established that while you were with us. So that's probably a natural transition, you know, for her to be so open Mm -hmm. to this new, I mean, she's a rock star. We know it in her job as a mom. This has to be still a big step for her. Oh yeah. And it is. I, (laughs) We should probably have her on here sometime yeah. so she could talk about because I'm sure her experience is even different than mine. But um, she she has come a long way in just stepping up with all of this. This church is a little more traditional in that we, we have a bulletin every week. And uh, the lady who usually does our bulletin um, was in the hospital for a little bit. And so Tiffany has been over the last couple of weeks doing the bulletin. Oh, wow. like just, she was just like, hey, she's... I know she can't do it. I'm just going to do it. And um, it's cool to see her just take the reins on that stuff. And, like, you know, one of the things she really liked to do with current church was the women's retreats and stuff. And so she's like, I want to do one here. So she's already started setting that up. And it's really cool. Nice. How are the kids? They're good. They're um, wild as ever. So (laughs) um, Jude is, uh, he's really good at Minecraft, like, can make these things on this video game and i remember do they give scholarships for that by the way i don't i don't think so although now you can become a youtube star so who knows um but it it's weird because i remember when i was a kid and i was playing video games that i thought were simple <laughs> and my dad would be like yeah. i could never do that i i don't know how you do that and i i never thought i'd get to that point within my own life right. but i see that like jude does stuff on there and i'm just like how does he do i don't know what he's doing it's like programming <laughs> basically he's like it's essentially like uh, coding for kids, you know? And I'm like, I don't know how he's doing this. This is crazy. And then um, Harper's new thing is she's really into art. She wants to draw constantly. We have to battle this um, issue of uh, pride and perfection she has, though. Okay. Um, she's five years old, and if she messes up at all, she freaks out. She just can't handle the okay. failure part. So we're trying to teach her how to learn from failure versus just be upset by it. Um, but she... She's left-handed and five years old and can draw better than <laughs> better than some adults I know. It's amazing. Wow. Um, and then Iris, uh, also an artist, she, uh, going from baby to toddler, the thing that she really took to was being able to find a marker anywhere in the house and draw on walls and floors and couches and everything. Else. So, yeah, so yeah. great. Real great. <laughs> she is the one that is... Um, She's like the Spitfire for sure. Yeah, I I didn't I I didn't know how she was gonna be, but um, she's probably the mo- one that's changed the most since you've seen us too. Just because you know, from baby to toddler goes pretty quick. Right. Um, Jude's nine. Yeah, he's yeah, nine. Okay. Harper's five, and Iris is uh, two. Wow. And it's a crazy life, but it's fun. We've talked about how many hats you wear. You weren't wearing pastor hat last time that we talked about that. I mean, you are. Are you still a nerd? Yes. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Still a nerd. 
Um, that's good. It's reassuring. I was rearranging yeah. my. Uh, I'm, I'm remodeling my basement, and I was rearranging my Doctor Who action figures yesterday. If that, uh, yeah, that, if that solidifies that it for the you. question, <laughs> asked and answered. Yeah. Uh, I talked to Chris over the weekend, and I knew that you guys were working on a full length from social media posts, brother or brother. It's uh, mostly all we've been doing for the past couple months. It's been a lot of just writing and. I didn't because I knew Monster Truck came out, but that was an EP. Mm-hmm. He said it had been since 2017. Yeah, yeah. five years since a full length. So this is actually pretty big news. Yeah, yeah. In the indie music scene, what's it looking like? Uh, we just got done with it. Um, as far as the recording part, there's still a little bit of mixing to do, but it's um, it's like ten songs, and I, every band always says this, but it's so different than the stuff we've done before. And that, like, we still have, there's a brother or brother sound, I would say. Like, you hear a song, you're like, oh, I know, I know that's them. It still has all that. But uh, one thing we did different is we really embraced the, like, heavy, fast. And it's just, it's nonstop this time. The 10 songs are. Do you have to bulk up? <laughs> yeah, I just, I, this is my uh, drumming weight that I've put on. No, uh, it's it's really aggressive, and it's 10 songs, but after those 10 songs, you're going to need to take a nap or something. Okay. It's, it's exhausting, but in a good way. But it's called Skinwalker, and the whole idea of the album is it's this, um, just this idea of, like, false teaching in, in society, and then it, there's... In the church, but also in media, there's just so much, so many lies being told all the time, and and there's this fake face that gets put on by society. And um, I don't know what you're talking. About. <laughs> in in uh, Native American culture, there's this myth of the skinwalker, and basically what that is is something that seems human, and sometimes we'll even like call people's names from the forest from afar and from a distance it looks like something recognizable but when you get closer it's this monster this beast and so that's the kind of the whole concept of that like what does that look like in modern culture like the skinwalker is this person who has this thing that they're trying to sell you or they're trying to um, bring you into or or this belief system that they say that they have but really on the the that's all just on the surface and when you get deeper there's all these this deceit and trickery and lies and um i don't know it's just a lot of that kind of stuff and just the concept of how we have to be ever diligent to be aware to those things it kind of reminds me of uh, the last book in the chronicles of narnia series by c.s lewis it's called the last battle and basically the premise of this book spoilers i guess if you haven't read this book from like a hundred years ago or whatever but um <laughs> Basically, Aslan is the savior character. He's this big lion in this series of books, right? Mm-hmm. But he's like represents Jesus. Right. Well, in this last book, he's been gone from Narnia for some time now, and this um, kind of deceitful guy gets a hold of a lion pelt, and he finds this donkey, and he's like, "Hey, if we can convince people that you're Aslan, we can make all the rules, and we can be in control here." And so he you know, throws the lion pelt on this donkey and they only meet at night and only from a distance and they make all these rules and they become like dictators over Narnia and um, do all these terrible things there and kind of ruin it. Well, then the king of Narnia gets a hold of this and finds out and he exposes him to the masses. But the sad part is that they've been tricked for so long that he's like, I know the real Aslan. And they're like, we don't care. We, we don't mm-hmm. want, we don't want another Aslan. We don't want to mm-hmm. be tricked again. Yeah. And that's the the danger of <laughs> basically what we face in society is that 
so many people have said i have the answer and they trick people into these bad things you know you talk about loving jesus and loving current church but you don't love church <laughs> and there's like a real i love the church i didn't like church. didn't like church. Well, yes. yeah 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 i i, I yes. put words in your mouth love the church yes but you don't like church as an ex- but there's a lot of that going deeper even in society right now with all this deconstruction and everything and i think we have this there's there's some level of it where people are like oh deconstruction is the these are just bad people that don't love jesus there's a level of deconstruction that's like i mean the bible says we should be working out our faith and fear and trembling there's lo- some level of like reevaluating your beliefs so making sure they that, line yeah. they line up with the word of god but yeah. the danger is for so long we've shown people i say we big c church the global church from the media perspective has said this is who jesus is but then not lived it and so kids who grow up in church and they're like, okay, you're telling me this is who Jesus is supposed to be, but this is not who I'm seeing in the church. And so they leave the church. Yeah. And that's kind of the concept of this album is just not necessarily just church, but just society in general. And like, we have this idea of what things are like, but they're all skewed by people's agendas. And that's basically the whole album. And it's really loud and heavy and just... Chris's normal like yell preaching type singing and do you, do you have a release date? Well, that's tricky because it all depends on when the vinyl is available. Okay. We're trying so we're trying to have it out by August. Oh, that's nice. that's the goal. Okay, but we'll see. Gene and I have talked about guarding against pride, and there's uh, maybe a bit of a stigma that if you were at Current Church for a little while, you, maybe you just absorbed. I did a little bit. Like, well, we do things like this. We we're Sunday yeah. night. <laughs> Yeah. And and there's some pride that I've had to push back on. So I do want to talk about maybe in our closing moments, sure. some lessons like, man, the fruit of current will live on. You know, Gene's doing well. It was so good to see him record with him recently. It's good to see you. I've got a couple other things on the horizon. I'm really excited about lifelong friends. Like I said, I saw Chris Bant over the weekend. Yeah. One thing I have to guard against is comparing, you know, now yeah. that I'm back free agent again, um, well, we did it this, you know, that kind of thing. And that's not good. There were great things to take from current church. But as I look at society and I look at doing church, <laughs> there's a cynicism that maybe some of us from current carry with yeah. us as we go back out and look around. And, well, that's I moved on from doing things that way. I am trying to remain and be aware of that. Yeah. Uh, be self-aware. So that's my church life right now, which has been great. Yeah. Because I, I'm meeting new people and I'm serving and, I, and you're I'm getting outside myself. types yeah, of yeah. churches. That's so I'm cool out of too. my comfort zone too. And that's good. I don't think this is the end result for me. But from somebody like you who has to do church right now, we kind of emerged from the current church ways. And now you're, you know, you have a bulletin again. You have a pulpit again. Yeah. And... Like you just said, we're surrounded by people asking hard questions and deconstructing and, and there's culture wars. It's kind of a mess out there. And we're all probably talking to people in our lives who have just general church cynicism, which is, mm. is different than the church cynicism that I have. <laughs> let, me, <laughs> yeah. let me point that out. I believe that what I learned from current church, if I were to summarize it, is God is alive through the church. Yeah. He's going to use the people in the church, which is not the building, right, to do his work, which is not Sunday, not Sunday night. Yeah. Gather, get the pep rally on Sundays to go be the church. Yeah. And I learned that, you know, a church is just a few people after God's heart. It's not the size of building. It's not the stage. It's not the lights. It's not the programs. And so I'm trying to fit that 
view into what I see now. Yeah. And so what kinds of things do you kind of wrestle with coming from that yeah. for a few years and then and back out into it? Um, the the worship time at my church is really great, and we have a worship leader right now who just does an excellent job. It's an acoustic guitar and a lady on a little drum box, and they're both fantastic, and they do a great job of creating this atmosphere of worship. But one of the things that I miss is like, the dim lights and the bright stage lights. And I know that stuff is not necessary for worship, but um, for me, it just created an atmosphere. They do such a good job of that with the, just the way that they present the music and, and engage the congregation to get involved in the worship time that I don't notice it as much, but I did one week. I I discovered that we had dimmer switches in our Mm -hmm. sanctuary. (laughs) And so I, I dimmed the lights for worship time. It has not happened since then. So I don't know. I don't know if somebody didn't like it or not. We'll, we'll just have to see. I might try it again, but, um, that was something I wanted to try. But so there's been times where I've tried to recreate these current church things that I know are not as, as it happens, I I realize, okay, this is not going to work in this church. But what is the different thing that we can be doing in this church? And I think you hit the nail on the head is that the purpose of the church and all of the ways that you get there aside, the purpose of the church is like the church is not to like just have people come in and the pastor yells at them and scares them, scares them away from hell. So maybe they'll get saved or whatever. The purpose of the church is for believers to come together, yeah. serve together, live together. And the pastor's role in that is to equip and mobilize the people of the church. It's good. And not necessarily to be, I mean, there's parts of that are, there are times where you're going to be living life with people and, and you're going to be in a situation where you're like, all right, I have to address, I have to deal with this sin in their life or address the sin in their life. But ultimately from the pulpit, my goal is to encourage them to live like Jesus in the world. And how am I going to do that? And what does the word of God say about that? And so when I get, when I get to a passage, I'm like, oh, this is going to, this is going to preach good. <laughs> you, know, you, you, you kind of get that feeling and it's like, what, what is the goal here? And what, what is, what is God trying to tell this body of believers in this moment? And how do, how do I utilize that into how they can be in the world serving people? Because the church is not a place for perfect people. The church is a place for broken people to live a life of grace and yeah. take it out into the world. Yeah. It's real good. <laughs> Gene and I have been having these weird conversations about what's church going to look like, what's it supposed to look right. like, you know, this, these formulas that the American church has developed. Some of us have grown weary of those. Sure. What's your stance on all that? Do you think a uh, white guy preaching from the stage to <laughs> to to an audience eating from his hand, do you think, um, as somebody who's doing that As now, white guy preaching <laughs> from a stage. <laughs> what, what, what things run through your mind from that standpoint? Um, there's a lot of things that I think the church does that, let me just step back a little bit. The first thing I did when I was officially pastoring here, I preached a series in Galatians and went through the entire book of Galatians, which was heavy. But the book of Galatians is about... Um, living in grace and not in the ritual of what we think it takes to be a Christian, right? And so I wanted to establish that first because 
when you come into a church that's already established rather than like starting a church and saying, well, what works, what doesn't, there's already these traditions and these, these uh, programs and these things that people think have to happen in this certain sort of way for it to be church. Right. And so I wanted to break that. I wanted that to be like, not an issue for us. And there are some things the church does really well. Zion Hill is an awesome church to come into because there's a lot of things that are already uh, operating and moving in the right directions. But you want to make sure that those things are for the right reasons, and a lot of them are, and then you've got to throw out the stuff that's just like, we just do it because we've always done it this way. Yeah. And so that's that was kind of my reasoning in doing that. When I was reading through Galatians through just like a Bible study, I was like, wow, this is this is a book about the church and how do we get away from the menial tasks and rely solely on what Christ has done for us. And that, that just really struck me as like, this is a good thing to preach for the first month I'm here or whatever. But I think it was really well received. And I think people are um, embracing that. Uh, One of the things that I think came out of all of the COVID stuff that has been either churches have way too relied on it or churches have kind of, um, pushed against it as I don't want to do this is the streaming, right? That's the big thing. Mm-hmm. And we, we struggled with that current. <laughs> it was like, okay, at what point do we just decide we're done with this? Found yeah. Gene wanted to keep it going and going and going. And the elders <laughs> are like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, so, so I, uh, coming into this church, I wasn't sure what to expect. Cause like, you know, I told you it's on average an older congregation and, um, one thing I noticed is they were all about the live stream that they had started with COVID and mm-hmm. they've got this YouTube that they use and they live stream to YouTube. And they like one of the first meetings I sat in on was they were talking about how we can update our equipment so that we can actually do this stream the right way. And I kind of had a little bit of that that I brought from current church. I was like, well, okay, but I, I don't mind streaming. I think that's a great thing if more people will really, really listen to it, but are people really listening to it? And the thing is, people are watching the stream, and it's people that are not at church. If they're away from church for whatever reason, maybe they're sick. But also, this church just came with several shut-ins. That was part of the okay. when I came into it. Okay. Um, and I've been kind of slowly, gradually been visiting with them. And one thing that I decided to do with this is I wanted to take communion to them when I visited with them. There's one day I went to three different shut-ins and had communion with all of them. Basically, uh, crackers and grape juice was my lunch because <laughs> I just had communion with all of them. But um, in that, I realized every single one of them says, I really enjoy your preaching. And I'm thinking, well, how? I've, this is the first time I met you. But it's because they've been watching the stream. Like, that is something they hold on to. And it, mm. it means so much to them because they can't get out and be in church anymore. But they still feel like they're a part of it because of... Yeah. They're there for the whole service, and it just it makes a difference for them. Jim Palmer told me on this particular program, <laughs> uh, he thinks the greater thing, when Jesus said you'll do greater things, he thinks that's internet. Oh, based. man. So, I mean, for Jim to say that, and of course Jim has used the internet to great levels that, you know, puts me to shame. <laughs> But that's a good point. Because of that, I've embraced, I've started, I used to use TikTok only as a consumer, just for funny videos that made me laugh. Now I'm actually using it as a platform to be encouraging and be in the word in another format. And it seems to be going really well. I'm not going viral or anything like that. There's no, that's not my goals in it. But people that I know and people in my church are being encouraged by it. 
And I'm like, this is such a cool thing that my dad didn't have when he was a pastor. It wasn't a tool that he had available to him. So it's like there's parts of the old school traditional church concept that we have to just we have to shake it loose and just embrace the new things. And not all of it's going to work, but there are things that are really good that come out of these things that maybe I think of Joseph when he talks to his brothers, but you intended for evil god intended for good and i think that's like the best description of the internet oh sure because the internet is full of evil and there's a lot of bad stuff that can get out there but god has a use for it and if we utilize it the way that god wants us to utilize it i think that can expand the church into this next generation and a new way of doing things and like one of the things when i first came to this church is um I had to start writing checks again. (laughs) It's like the only place I write a check is at church, right? (laughs) But uh, a a younger couple had mentioned to one of my deacons, is there any way we can give electronically? And so he came up to me and said, hey, I don't know anything about this stuff, but do you know? And so we're we're trying to figure out all – we're going through all the different options of what would be good. But I told him about Givelify and Mm -hmm. how that was the way I was giving at my previous church. And that I I think that um, that's that's a new thing, like – we're, the church is just going to have to embrace that yeah. because not a lot of people carry cash and checks around all the time. But um, the intent is what matters, the intent of the heart. And so people will be like, well, I think it's more sacrificial if you have to dig into your wallet. Well, okay, that's great. But you know what? If you're doing it with the right intent of your heart and you're giving and you're a joyful giver, God's going to bless that. And if that's digging into your wallet or getting a pin out to write a check or clicking a button on your phone. As long as the intent is that you want to glorify God with what he's given you, I don't see anything wrong with that. If Easter is the preacher's Super Bowl, you got your first Super Bowl coming up. What you got planned? So I had no so I had no idea what it was going to be like from that regard with because there, we just hadn't really talked about it. And so a couple of weeks ago, um I was just like, all right, so what do we think we want to do for, like, Easter? Do we want to start the normal time? They're like, oh, nobody's told you? And I was like, "I told me what? And they're like, oh, we have a we, we want to have a Good Friday service. We always have a Good Friday service. And then we have two on Easter. It'll be a sunrise and a normal oh, time. Wow. I'm, I'm like, all right, well, I'm glad somebody told me now. Buckle up. <laughs> yeah, no, but I, I have an idea of what I want to do. And one of the things is this was actually partially Tiffany's idea. She came up with it, and I wasn't sure what to do for good friday but i was like i want to do something different i don't want to just be like sunday morning service but now on friday night (laughs) like that's not what i wanted to i didn't want to have that kind of feel for it um and (laughs) her suggestion was she said do you remember the christmas eve that gene and paula just invited people to come and pray yeah and i was like yeah that's awesome and so i think for good friday we're going to just invite people to come and pray with us. And I'll be there from this time to this time and people can come and pray in the church or they can come pray with us, however they want to do it. Um, I'm going to have communion available for everyone. And then that's, that's what good Friday will be. And I will have the lights dimmed for that, <laughs> that service. Yeah, that, that was awesome. But yeah, yeah, that was something that's again, something that came from the DNA of current yeah. church that now I'm taking into this church. And, um, I was just really glad that Tiffany reminded me of that because I, I that's I think that's going to be really powerful, and I think it's going to um, remind people that when we're in prayer and we take time to be in prayer, that God blesses that and um, uses that and kind of molds our hearts to be in line with his desires so that our desires are his desires, and therefore he gives us the desires of our heart. 
but I think for the uh, sunrise service, I'm just going to do a short message about um, the disciples and uh, Mary finding the empty tomb. And then the big game, so to speak, <laughs> um, the main service on Sunday is going to be just the resurrection of Jesus and kind of what he did between resurrection and ascension and um, what that means for the church today and a reminder that he's coming back again and we need to be ready for that, but not in like a scary, you know, left behind book series way, yeah, yeah. but in a, like a, um, expectant way. And I think that's the best thing I can do for my first run in uh, Easter service. So do you have an estimation of when the schooling would be done? Um, I think, I think I can be done in December if oh, I wow. really buckle down. Um, if not, yeah, I think, I think December is probably a realistic goal. That's what I'm shooting for anyway. Well, you're a good example of somebody who allowed God to prepare you. Uh, I imagine, I don't know, if you deal with self-doubt like the rest of us do, which oh, you yeah. already addressed, <laughs> yeah. so yes, you do. There has to be a, some of those moments you're like, what am I doing? But I also, you're an example of boldness and just walking in it and walking, you know, making sure that you're doing it for the right reasons, that your heart's right, yeah. but then just walking in it. And I think some of us could probably take a cue from that. It's cool to see that lived out. I try to do some kind of altar call after um, after I preach every time. Sometimes nobody goes up. Sometimes a few people go up. But one thing I'm trying to reiterate to them is that it's not when you go up to the altar, that's not just because you got a lot of sin in your life and you got to shake it up. Sometimes that is. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes that's the reason we go to the altar. But another reason to go to the altar is to just thank God for how great he is and like do it in a reverent way that's public. And like that's that's important, too. But then the other thing is to just like bring him your concerns. And I've been up there myself multiple times. I've been there since January and uh, I've probably been up there three or four times at the altar myself and every single time just in awe of what God is doing at this church and thanking him for what he's doing. And just begging him to remind me that the numbers, as far as like the congregation numbers and who's coming in, that's not important. One, it's not really important, but two, it's not me that's doing it. Mm -hmm. Just to constantly be reminded of that. And so you talk about the self-doubt and like, how is this happening? But I don't know that the self-doubt does that to me, but the excitement of what's happening in the church sometimes is overwhelming. And I'm like, God, what are you doing? This is amazing. And I have to like, I just have to like say, God, remind me that this is not me doing this. This is you doing it. And thank you for using me to do it. Like that's just such a blessing to be a part of it. How do you want the folks listening to be praying for you guys? Oh, (laughs) pray that we will rely on God for everything and not try to rely on ourselves. A part of just figuring out what the future is going to look like for our family. Just overall, there's a good chance for a lot of financial changes. Like right now we're real comfortable. We're really blessed. And I know God's going to bless us even if it's not, in the Mm -hmm. way that we're used to. Mm -hmm. Um, But just praying that we don't let that keep us from doing what God wants us to do. Because I think that can be a hindrance for a lot of people is we get this idea of what we think success looks like. And it's not the same idea of what God thinks success looks like. And that's why the Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. It's not that God says, you know, God's not like you need to be poor, but what, he's saying is that we need to rely on him and money is one of those areas i think sometimes we can rely on what we've got in the bank not what god can give us yeah that's good 
Love you, brother. Thanks, I love you, too. Thanks for, thanks for this having me on here. Absolutely. listening to Big C, Little C, theme music written and performed by Still the Hand, imaging by Jessica Albertson. Please join us next time for more conversations on Big C, Little C.